This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. It's powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my co-host. You guys know him. You love him as your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we got some um, exciting news, to uh, some knowledge to drop on our listeners today. We do. We've been uh, sitting on this for a minute now. We've been excited to uh, break it to you all. Chad, do you want to do the honors? Absolutely. So, you know, we've talked about the possibility of, you know, some interesting things coming down the pike with regard to the NFL Combine. And in years past, Mile High Huddle, we've, the last couple of years, we've sent Nick Kendall, uh, and he's getting married this year. And so I looked at it as an opportunity to uh, kind of tweak things a little bit with my podcasting partner, with Zach Kelberman. We're both going to haul, you know what, out to Indianapolis. We're going to bring our Sorry. podcasting gear, our mics, our laptops. And we're going to cover the Combine in person for y'all. On location. On location. We're going to be there. We're going to be at the press conferences for Fangio, for John Elway. We're going to be at the podium for each and every prospect that steps up. And we're going to be spinning out the content and just dropping knowledge for you throughout the entire week. I'm so very, very excited to finally get out to Indy. It's It's been a, a, a dream of mine for a while now. I'm so interested to see all the other NFL teams and what they say and what they do. But this Broncos press conference with Elway and Fangio, when they can't even discuss Joe Flacco, Chad, That's that right. is going to be very, very interesting to cover for us. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to kick back and just laugh at some of the questions that the national people are going to be firing <laughs> at those guys and just seeing how they dodge, you know. See them get out of the way, how creative they can get with the answers. But I, I'm dying to hear some of Fangio's remarks because the last time we really heard him at the podium talking anything substantive was at his introductory press conference. And so this time around, he'll have had, you know, by that point, two months, basically almost two months to settle in at Dove Valley. You know, he's got his expansive office. He's got, he will have gone over the roster. He'll have watched the tape on players, all this and that. And I'm going to ask him about how he feels, you know, about his linebackers that are currently on the roster. Do they fit, you know, your scheme relies heavily on linebackers. Are you confident that the personnel you have on the roster as it stands is going to be able to, you know, take care of business? Something I'll figure out something a little bit more creative than that, you know, maybe a little more pithy too. But, you know, I'll fire some questions off. And that's our opportunity to engage in the conversation ourselves, right? Right. And speaking of linebackers, you know, they made a move with one with Brandon Marshall declining his option. You know, they have Matt Paradis, those rumors out there. They have a lot of other free agents. The signing period, it will be weeks away at that point when we're in Indianapolis. The table is going to be set for that. And so we can definitely ask about that. We will ask about that. We're going to gain a lot more insight into what the Broncos' plans are for free agency, for the draft. We're not going to know too much about Joe Flacco just yet, but, you know, Drew Locks and be on the table. Elway and Fangio, like you, Chad, it's the first time we've heard from them in a little while now. And uh, a lot has changed in that time. We're interested to see what they uh, they say to us. Oh, yeah. We'll be – and if it's not us, you know, somebody in the room is going to be volleying questions as as it regards to the quarterback class. And and Elway, you know, by this point, what is it, his eighth year as yep. Broncos front office are? I believe maybe it's his ninth. I'm, I'm losing track here. But, um, you know, he's so he's gotten pretty experienced and weathered 
in terms of answering and ducking and fielding questions and for lack of a better term, kind of coach speak. We'll call it GM speak. But you never know. Sometimes the facade drops and things slip out. And so we'll be there. We'll be all ears. And we'll be bringing you not only the news, but our insight. We'll be providing you all the buzz we pick up from the contacts. Because one of the cool things about attending and covering as a credentialed journalist these events in person is that you're not only there for the people, the event itself and the guys at the podium or the on-field things that take place and all that, but you're networking with other uh, people in the in the media realm. You're interacting with agents. You're talking to players, and so you can pick up buzz, Zach. And we're going to be able to relay that to our listeners, to our VIP subscribers. So it's going to be chill. Yeah, and now is the time to lock in. Now is the time to get those VIP subscriptions. Now is the time to follow us on Twitter, follow the Facebook page, the website. We're going to crank out content as chats, and we're going to be there on location, and it's going to be overflowing with content. We can't wait to bring it to you guys. It's going to be super exciting. So stay tuned. Any uh, ideas, any requests, any things like that that you have on your minds that you want us to touch on or may perhaps consider as ideas for content, questions, things like that, go ahead and send them our way. You can volley them on Twitter. You can volley them on the MHH Insiders Forum on the website. And we'll do our best to accommodate you. We can't promise we'll be sharing a brain with you, but we'll absolutely consider each and every request. So exciting times. We'll be talking more about this before we leave. It's We'll both be traveling to Indianapolis on Tuesday. So we'll uh, there will be some time between now and then to kind of hone our thoughts a little bit more on things. And, and so we'll, we'll touch on this again. But in the meantime, we got a lot to talk about today. But before we do, a couple quick matters of business, you guys. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. Why is that important? So that you can have your finger on the pulse of this show and know what's happening in real time and be engaged and on point. Easy to do. Exit out of the app you're listening to right now. The app, the, the pod will keep playing. Open up Twitter, find at HuddleUpPod, and you're in. Also, you guys have done a great job lately of leaving those creative reviews and rating the show. It has helped to vault us up iTunes. We're in the 80s right now as it relates to reviews on iTunes. We want to get into the triple digits, though, and you can help us do that. And it takes, you know, maybe two minutes of your time. It could take longer depending on how eloquent you want to be, but just take a couple minutes, leave a creative review. Let's get to double digits or triple digits, excuse me, and uh, take this thing to the next level. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. 
Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so, Zach, before we dive into the main crux of today's conversation, let's talk about the news that broke, two, two particular pieces of news that broke on Wednesday. First and foremost, your boy, Domita Pecco, is, <laughs> uh, he's out in Denver. Yeah, supposedly, you know, the word through the grapevine is the Broncos will not be bringing back Pecco, who's, you know, he's in his mid-30s now, he's getting older. This is a young man's business, and even though he's been productive for the Broncos, um, I think they want to go in a different direction. They have Shelby Harris on the roster who at no tackle. He's a restricted free agent, though. He'll get a second-round tender, I believe, and they'll probably draft a player in the second, third, fourth rounds. I would like Pecco to be brought back, and I expect the Broncos to maybe talk shop with him at the Combine. You know, a low... A low guarantee, short-term pack to bring him back. I think it'd be good for the Broncos to keep some continuity in the middle of that defense. Uh, but the signs pointing now is let him walk in free agency. Zach Kerr is also an unrestricted free agent. So That's right. there are some pieces there that uh, remain unresolved. We don't know. I mean, he's under contract, but we don't know what's going to happen with Derek Wolf. We've heard rumblings that the team is has talked to him and began a process of, of wanting to perhaps extend him at a lower to lower his cap number and make it possible for him to retire as a Bronco. So we'll see if that happens too, Zach. Uh, yeah, I could see it going going either way, but I think after he took a haircut last year, uh, the Broncos will do more right by him. I could see a short-term extension to lower his cap number, uh, show some good faith, keep him in a Broncos uniform. He's still a good player when he's healthy. The problem is he struggles to stay healthy for a consistent period, but when he's on the field, it's been very good for them. I would look for the Broncos to keep him uh, more so than I think they're going to get rid of him. Yeah. So, and you know, that defensive line is already pretty stacked, even with those losses. And this class is replete with defensive line talent. And, you know, the dream would be for the Broncos to get a quarterback in round one and then have that, that Jeffrey Simmons that tore his ACL in a freak deal that was supposed to be a top 10 pick. You know, Eric Trickle told us on the show a couple of days ago that he's probably a late first round, early second round guy who you have to redshirt as a rookie because he just tore his ACL, but he's a guy that comes back. You got all of a sudden possibly a talent that's on par with you know the best in the NFL. We're talking about a, a talent that could be on par or has the potential, at least as a ceiling, to be Aaron Donald-esque. So mm. even if that meant having to redshirt him for 2019, knowing that he'd be back in the saddle for 2020, that would be the dream, you know, but... Odds are there's going to be a lot of teams looking at him late round one, early round two. So we'll see how it shakes out. But there's a lot. There's going to be opportunity there. This class is deep at defensive line. So what that means, though, too, Zach, is if you're the Denver Broncos and you want to bolster your depth, you've got a pretty solid starting uh, trio on your 3-4 defensive line. But if you want to bolster the depth, you don't need to reach. You don't need to pull the trigger early necessarily. You can afford to because of the depth of the class. Wait and still get some really good players in rounds three, four, five, and six. 
And can I just throw out Demarcus Walker's name one more time? It wouldn't be a huddle up podcast without me doing that. I think under Fangio, the Broncos can get definitely more out of him than they did under Vance Joseph. Some question whether he's a fit in a 3-4 defense in his technique and his uh, role you know, in this scheme. But I think with better coaching, they can get uh, production. And in the backup role, they have two solid starters if they keep Derek Wolf uh, with Adam Gotsis. So if they get anything out of Walker, it'd be a bonus for them. So yeah, I look for the Broncos to maybe use a mid-round pick to uh, shore up that defensive line, especially if they move on from Wolf or Pecco. But let's not forget about Walker, who I think with better coaching, I mean, he was a second-round draft pick for a reason. I think he could blossom. Yeah, I mean, both you and I have been, you know, keeping the torch burning for Demarcus Walker and and for our website, all the different analysts we have. We're we're basically the only two. Everyone else kind of <laughs> given up on Demarcus Walker, either that or never liked the pick to begin with. And there's a lot of behind the scenes reasons for that in terms of how he ended up getting his name called by the Broncos on draft day in 2017. It was questionable to say the least. VIP subscribers, most of you, at least those of you who've been with us for a while, know the the story behind that. But we've been keeping the torch burning for Demarcus Walker, and there's something to be said, Zach, for this idea that you know what he's you know he's been known as lazy and entitled, or words that have been thrown around. And he was a second round pick, and he was. I mean, let's face it, this guy's Twitter handle is like at Living Legend 44, right? <laughs> so right. the guy thinks highly of himself. I can understand. I can believe, I should say, that he has a, a little bit of a reputation for being entitled, so to speak, and maybe not open to coaching and et cetera, it, even at the pro level. Well, guess what? Now you suddenly have adults coaching the team and Vic Fangio. You have D- Mr. Death by Inches himself. So if there's anyone that can right the ship from a disciplinary uh, type of perspective and really kind of you know, shell shock this guy and get him out, kind of shake him awake, so to speak, and, and start turning him toward that potential that he has as a second round pick. It might be Vic Fangio and his veteran staff. I was going to say there might be a perception around Demarcus Walker, but my eyes tell me every time he was on the field, he was around the football making a play right. in some capacity. So uh, there's a big leap going from Vance Joseph to, to uh, Vic Fangio and that defensive quality of coaching he needs a kick in the butt. He needs a fire under him. And that's what Fangio will bring with no nonsense. It's not club med anymore in Dove Valley. There's going to be accountability and responsibility. He's going to say to him, uh, you want to keep your roster spot? You want to keep your job on this team? You're going to have to perform. He didn't have that with Vance Joseph, who all he did was bench him and sit him down. He needs a, a, a more swift kick in the behind. That's what he'll get with uh, Vic Fangio. That's why I think Walker will thrive despite what most others think. Yep. And there, I think there's definitely reason for optimism as it relates to Demarcus Walker. The only caveat in what to monitor is I've had several people in the know tell me basically, look, just don't be shocked if he doesn't even make this roster. Like, don't be shocked if he finds himself on the outside looking in, like well before final cutdown day. So we'll see. You know, sometimes you hear things that don't always come to fruition and some things are overblown. And let's face it, the team has a significant investment in him. So, but at the same time, Zach, we saw last year John Elway kind of have this epiphany of, look, I'm cutting, I don't care what the investment is. Like, if I'm not seeing what I want to see out of these players, I'm cutting bait. We saw it with Paxson Lynch. We saw mm-hmm. him cut Carlos Henderson. We saw him cut Isaiah McKenzie. And so that's, that's what Demarcus Walker is staring down the barrel of if he doesn't get his you-know-what together and get on board and buy into Mr. Death by Inches. 
I just wanted to give him a chance in the system. I mean, I want to see him go through off-season workouts, training camp, and in the preseason. And by then, if he still hasn't performed or if he has a bad attitude, then get rid of him. No questions asked. But I'm not willing to judge the guy based on a couple years under Vance Joseph. I want to see what he can do with Vic Fangio. And coaching makes all the difference. You look at a guy like Shelby Harris, who was a seventh-round cast-off of the Raiders. He comes to the Broncos with Bill Collar and better coaching and is thriving here. So I want to just give Walker that chance. I will definitely eat my words if he bombs. I'm sure freezing cold takes will at me right now for this take. But I just want to see what he can do in this scheme. If he can succeed, um, it's a bonus for this Denver defense. That's right. I mean, he did put up some prolific numbers in college and – you know, there is reason to believe he's not the, he, he belongs as a D-end in a 4-3, and I can see that, and that's probably where he's best suited, but that doesn't mean you can't find a role for him. I mean, he's been a healthy right. scratch for so long. At least you should be able to, co- from a coaching perspective, Zach, get enough out of this guy that he can at least, as a 2017 second-round pick, rotate in and nickel and third-down passing situations and rush the passer from the inside. That's it. Yeah. If he could just do that, that's that's a positive for this Denver defense. That can win them some ball games, and that's a path to making some money in the league. I mean, that's true. That's that's what's there for him. So it's it's also a matter of this new coaching staff maybe just helping this kid to realize what he's allowing to go by the wayside and what's possible for him because he obviously views himself as a living legend, but he's got to <laughs> face the cold hard facts of why have you up to this point in your two year careers in the NFL, why have you basically been a bust? You got to face the facts. You got to swallow some hard truths. And just like John Elway talked about at the podium on black Monday, look at the man in the mirror dog and come to terms with it and turn over a new leaf. And crap or get off the pot. It's pretty much as simple as that. So we'll see what happens. But uh, in the meantime, we got some other issues, some burning questions that are facing the Denver Broncos in the 2019 offseason that we're going to go through and dissect. And the first one here, Zach, is we got to address what's going to happen with Case Keenum. So here's the issue. Case Keenum, obviously the Denver Broncos just acquired Joe Flacco. You can't have Keenum and Flacco, both of whom are basically making around $18 million for 2019. But the Broncos are on the hook for $7 million with Case Keenum. As we found out last week talking with Benjamin Albright, the Broncos are exploring trade options, but really for this offseason to kind of coalesce and take shape, I think the first domino that has to fall is they got to get resolution with Case Keenum. They do, and I think it's more plausible now after thinking about it for a few days to trade Case Keenum, but that's all contingent on him taking a pay cut and reducing that salary and making a trade more manageable for the team taking on his contract. Failing that, though, he will have a market. I mean, he's going to have a job in 2019 with some team. One team to keep in mind, I think, that will make that has made a run at um, Joe Flacco before the Broncos traded for him is the Redskins. They have, don't have a starter right now with Alex Smith. They're kind of in a transition period. Keenan would be a perfect bridge gap there for whoever is the young quarterback for 2020 and beyond for them. So um, he will have a market. Whether he's traded, I think it's iffy or I think they're going to ultimately end up just swallowing the money and releasing him. But I think he will be snatched up quickly. And one team I like for his services are the Redskins. Amen. Burning question number two facing your Denver Broncos in the 2019 offseason is what's going to happen with Matt Paradis? Is he going to be re-signed? And not to you know answer my own question or be too rhetorical here, but all the signs up to this point here, Zach, point to the Broncos and Matt Paradis cruising for a split because as we've talked about on the show, Jason Fitzgerald of Over the Cap projects Matt Paradis to 
be in line for a contract that's going to pay him essentially $10.7 million a year. I don't see the Denver Broncos opening up the checkbook for that much money for a center, even as accomplished and you know sturdy and trusty as Matt Paradis. I think this is a, a one of those tough situations in which the Broncos have to let a homegrown star depart be, for monetary reasons and knowing, Zach, that you got two young options currently on the roster in Connor McGovern and Sam Jones to basically take over. At first, I thought this would be a no-brainer, especially with him coming off an injury. But after hearing that he wants to be the highest-paid center in the NFL or close to that, Elway is not going to come up to his number. He's going to have to come down to the Broncos' number. I don't see that happening. I think a split is more likely. They do have two young players on the roster, as you said, but it's going to be tough losing that dependable veteran presence in Matt Paradis. Not only is he reliable, people don't really get that he's a top-five center in the NFL. He's very underrated. He's not a household name by any means, but he's very good when on the field. It's going to be a loss for Denver. I just don't, don't see them coming up to his number if he wants to be um, in that range. That's right. Third burning question facing your Denver Broncos in 2019 is, how will the Broncos prioritize their free agent cap dollars? Now, obviously, these first two questions kind of feed into and play into this third one, talking about getting rid of that Case Keenum money, having a full resolution on what's going to happen with Matt Paradis. But I reached out to our our cap guy at Mile High Huddle and Bob Morris, and what he told me basically is that the Broncos have $37.5 million in projected cap space. That's today. Now, that includes the acquisition of Flacco. With, or excuse me, that means acquiring Flacco reduces it with that 18 and change from Joe Flacco to 19 million. However, you got to keep in mind that the Broncos at some point will move on from Keenum. And so everyone should account for it. He's saying whether he's traded, there's 18 million gained if he's traded or if he's cut, there's only 11 million gained on that cap. So the cap space projected currently, it doesn't account either for Brandon Marshall's option not being declined. But how are they going to prioritize that available money? Is it going to be basically upgrading the defense? Is it going to be getting a burner on the offense with wide receiver to help Joe Flacco stretch the field, especially knowing that uh, Emmanuel Sanders might not be ready in the first quarter, which we also got some news on Sanders on uh, Wednesday as well as that. Uh, well, first of all, in terms of cap dollars, they're going to have even more once they start to trim the fat with Darian Stewart, make some other roster moves. So they'll sit in the high 40s when it's all said and done. And if they trade Keaton, like you said, that's a huge amount of money they get back and they can put that toward a few players. What they do in free agency, though, LA will be aggressive. He's going to fill most of his roster holes and leave the draft to go BPA, best player available. They need offensive line help. They need defensive line help, safety help, corner help, especially. Obviously, they took care of quarterback. They're good there. Wide receiver. It depends on Emmanuel Sanders. He, we did get some news that the Broncos are picking up his option for 2019 or expected to before the March 12th deadline. He'll be guaranteed $1.5 million, And if they bring him back, he'll be the third highest paid player on the team. If they do bring him back, though, they're not going to address this, the position early. They'll get a guy in, in the mid-rounds. They have a, a lot of young talent they have to start to develop. If they don't keep him on the roster, they will prioritize a receiver. But I think they sign one because they have to have a mentor among that group. Someone like Golden Tate, Tavon Austin, just a guy to stretch the field with two possession receivers in Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton. You just In this offense especially, even before Joe Flacco came, you got to have the burner who can stretch the field. And yep. even though he's, as you say, Zach, to use your verbiage in his year 32 or his 32 season, whatever, age 32 season, that's what it is. There. He can still burn, man. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is 
fast. So he provided the Achilles doesn't sap that explosion, though. That's my only thing with him. That's true. So there are some mitigating factors there with regard to Emmanuel Sanders, but I fully expect, as it relates to the answer to this question, how will the Broncos prioritize their cap dollars? I really think it's going to be getting Vic Fangio his core key pieces to make his defense as envisioned work. That means getting a a, a off-ball linebacker like a C.J. Mosley especially, uh, possibly a safety, whether it's Adrian Amos, whether it's a guy like Landon Collins who cleaned out his locker and bid the New York Giants goodbye on Wednesday. So we'll see possibly a right tackle as well. And that also brings up uh, the next couple questions here, Zach. Number one is, will Bradley – or number four, excuse me, is – Will Bradley Roby be resigned? Everyone's just assuming, okay, that Bradley Roby is not long for Denver, that he's gone. You might as well kiss him goodbye. It's over. The decision's been made. But that's not necessarily what I'm hearing from basically what I've been told is that while the Broncos aren't necessarily chomping at the bit to get him resigned before the market opens, they are at least still interested in bringing him back as it relates to, you know, envisioning Vic Fangio, what Fangio could do. You saw what Kyle Fuller, the the resurgence he had under Vic Fangio, going from basically viewed as potential bust to an all-pro caliber player. And there's a chance, and I have some of my my personnel, you know, scouting guys tell me that Bradley Roby's not a great scheme fit for Vic Fangio, and that might be true. But we saw, I mean, look at it like this, Zach. If the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior, yeah, the most recent what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of perspective on Roby is that he was highly inconsistent in 2018, but the four years previous, so four out of his five years in the NFL, he was a way-above-average cornerback for the Denver Broncos. So that, to me, is another question burning that the Broncos need to answer is, is there a path to Bradley Roby returning? And I think what it really boils down to, Zach, is that they're going to let him test the market first and see what's out there, but they're keeping the option, the door open for him possibly returning because quarterback remains an, a, a big-time weakness for this defense, and Fangio needs to get it shorn up. Yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at with uh, Bradley Roby. I would keep him in my back pocket. He's definitely not my plan A, but he can be my plan B, my plan C. They have to upgrade that spot. He is not a good scheme fit in this defense. They can do much better than him. They have two young corners on the roster that they're going to have to start getting production out of and proving their draft uh, status a little bit more. So I would not make a concerted effort to re-sign Bradley Roby. I would definitely keep him on the the back burner, though. He's not going to blow the market away if they strike out with a, a player on the open market or if they want to prioritize in the draft and they want to bring back a guy a two or three year deal would work but I would not you know I could definitely could see a much better player on this defense than Bradley Roby they could do a lot better than him question number five and then we're going to take a really quick break is how do the Broncos view their right tackle solution now as we know Jared Veldier is an unrestricted free agent heading into 2019 he announced earlier this week that he at almost 32 years old has no intention yet of retiring. What we saw this past season when he was on the field, he did miss four starts, but when Valdir was on the field, it was arguably the best right tackle, most sustained and consistent right tackle play that we've seen for the Broncos in the John Elway era. And so you can't just lightly brush that aside. Like there has to be a conversation about Jared Valdir, and who knows? Maybe he came in and and he was struggled with health and his age, and it kind of scared the Broncos off a little bit. We know they're, they're, they're high on Juwan James, so that's a situation to monitor. They're talking to Billy Turner, it sounds like, from a recent reports that have come out, which kind of 
ties into some of the things we've heard on 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 the down low from our contacts close to the team. So there's some options there, but it's I'm curious to see really how this resolves for the team. What is their view of the right tackle solution? Yeah, the fact that they're reportedly making such a strong effort to bring back Turner, and we haven't heard much on Valdir, says to me that Turner they want to bring back as a swing guy, a reserve guy, and maybe they're lining up to take a tackle in the first round. Maybe they're lining up to make a bigger move for a tackle. Maybe a Juwan James. It doesn't seem like Valdir is a lock to come back far from it. It seems like he's like a Bradley Roby where um, they'll keep him as a plan B, plan C, but he's definitely not the plan A. Billy Turner can really do it all, though. He can play all four spots. He held it down pretty well last year. You you love to have those versatile role players on the team so i'm not surprised they're, they're going to pr- try to bring it back he won't cost much but in terms of starting right tackle i don't really think it'll be valdir unless they <clears throat> i don't think it'll be valdir unless they uh, really um don't think they can get someone better at that spot and they want to save some money and go with a guy who did pretty well for them last year yeah and it kind of depends on what the market bears for valdir i mean if he goes out there and finds some sizable max level contracts like the one that Andrew Whitworth got from the LA Rams at however old he was. He was like 34 something. I think even older than that. Yeah. He was late thirties. When he bounced from Cincy to LA, if Valdir against all odds goes out and finds that type of a a market for his services, the Broncos probably, I mean, you can pretty much count on him backing out on that, but if it's a tepid, timid market for his services and he's more amenable to coming back on, uh, on team-friendly terms, you just that's not something you want to close the book on quite yet. Yeah, that's exactly what I, where I'm at with him. I mean, Jawan James would be a massive upgrade on Valdir, but v- Valdir was a massive upgrade on Stevenson, Menelik Watson, so it's right. all relative. They can do a lot worse than having Valdir as a starter for one more year. we got a few more burning questions that we're going to answer on today's show. First, though, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so next burning question here for the Denver Broncos faced with in the 2019 offseason is... Will Joe Flacco gel with Rich Scangarello? Now, this is one in which there are a few balls in the air here, a lot of unknowns, because we do know that that Flacco flourished with Gary Kubiak in the West Coast offense and that zone system and the heavy boot action back in 2014 had really his career year from a statistical perspective. But at the same time, as you talk about what have you done for me lately, it's been a while since we've seen Flacco produce anything noteworthy from a from a statistical perspective the other side to that coin is also the fact that Scangarello is entering basically his first year as a play caller in the NFL and so it's two guys new to a situation in essence that are going to have to find a way to jive and you know form some kind of a symbiotic synergy so to speak because everything the Broncos are trying to accomplish in 2019 at least is contingent on that but how do you feel and there was also before I serve this over to you Zach a great conversation on building the Broncos on Wednesday in which Nick Kendall talked with 
uh, Derek Klassen from Inside the Pylon and Football Outsiders, who had a lot of really good insight on Joe Flacco's fit into this offense or what we expect this offense to be. So for those of you who haven't checked out that conversation, I highly recommend it. But what are your thoughts on Joe Flacco fitting with Scangarello? It's going to be pretty interesting to me. You have a guy in Flacco who's been there and done that. He won a Super Bowl. He was an MVP. And you have a guy like Scangarello who's never been a play caller in the NFL at this level. Um, And you have a 29-year-old quarterback's coach. So it's really mixing old and new school. And it's going to be a concept that either can be really good or really bad. If they can tailor the offense to Flacco's strengths and get the ball downfield and push it downfield and take shots and be aggressive, they can succeed with this combination. And they have to rely more so on the running game. People think the Broncos are going to be this air raid offense now. They had to stick with what works for them. And it's what the Ravens wanted to do with Flacco last year in Baltimore with all those running backs is run the ball to set up the pass. If they can do those things, and it's easier said than done, um, they can succeed. And, and Flacco and Scangarello can gel. But if Scangarello decides he wants to do his own thing or if Flacco goes off script, it could be a disaster. You got two cautionary tales that kind of mitigate your excitement a little bit. One, Brock Olivo, first-time coordinator on special teams, completely falls flat on his face like in a, in a catastrophic, epic way in 2017. Then, <laughs> Joe Woods, first-time coordinator. Now, he didn't quite crash and burn in the same way that Olivo did, but he didn't exactly hit it out of the park as a first-time play caller in the NFL, despite Denver being extremely high on his potential to do just that. So there's there's reason for people to be a little bit in kind of a holding pattern with regard to Scangarello. But the other side to that perspective that comes in to balance that is you got Joe Flacco coming in who needs some kind of a rebirth moment. He needs a resurgence. He needs a career renaissance, if you will. And if there's anyone in the NFL right now that has shown a propensity or a, an ability to do just that with a quarterback, get get something out of nothing or more out of less, it's Scangarello. You look at what he did last year in San Francisco, really the last two years in San Francisco, but especially with Nick Mullins, and you can start seeing how maybe this could play out in a good way for the Broncos, for Joe Flacco and Scangarello. One, one really important name to keep in mind here is Mike Munchak who I think Scangarello will lean on a lot. And he will have a lot more influence in this offense than people realize. He's an experienced voice to counterbalance um, a young coordinator and a young quarterbacks coach and a new coaching staff with a first-time head coach. So Mike Munchak will dictate where this offense goes to his capacity, and it will flow through the running game. But like I said, if they can use a system to tailor to Flacco's strengths and keep him upright, that's another thing. They have to keep him protected. Otherwise, he will wilt. And you saw what happened last year. He gets injured. He's at that age now. So they have to protect this investment. And if they can protect this investment and supplement it, they can win in the short term. Or it'll be a disaster. I really do think it'll be one or the other. That's a perfect segue into the next burning question, which is, can Mike Munchak reclaim Garrett Bowles? Now, I want to qualify this by saying that, you know, Garrett Bowles has been a lot better than many media types, and some fans will give him credit for. I'll grant that last season he started off very much on the wrong foot, the same old Garrett holds that we saw as a rookie. <laughs> but down the stretch in in which the Broncos kind of turned the ship around, it was oh so brief when they went on that three-game winning streak coming out of the bye. Garrett Bowles was playing at an extremely high level, playing clean football on the edge as a pass protector, and just 
grading the road in run blocking for Philip Lindsay in particular. So you saw what Garrett Bowles could be. And I think you bring in Mike Munchak and it's, it's like, look, man, one of the reasons you're here is we need to get the absolute most out of this player in which we invested the 20th overall pick in the 2017 draft. Can he do it? Uh, the thing about Munchak is he'll elevate the players to the next level. So he'll, he would make Ronald Leary and Paradis into pro bowlers. He would make Connor McGovern into a very solid starter. And I think he can make Garrett Bowles, who I think is lackluster or uh, you know average at best, into an above-average player. And if they can get an above-average left tackle who's a little more consistent, I mean, he has all the talent in the world. It's just his technique and his attitude on play-to-play consistency. If they can clean that up, they have a potential franchise left tackle, and he would certainly prove his first-round value. So uh, he will have a positive influence, Munchak will, on Garrett Bowles. But I will, I'm not going to rush out and think he's going to be an all-pro or pro bowler just yet. That's going to take some time. But if they can get him to above-average territory, uh, the Broncos' offense will be in good shape. And let's not forget, you know, it's not necessarily gospel. I mean, this pro football focus isn't exactly Bible. But Garrett Bowles was amongst their top 10 highest-graded Broncos in 2018, which I think surprised a lot of fans because the perception, and perception is oftentimes reality, especially as it relates to media, is that Garrett Bowles is some monumental, catastrophic bust. But he's not. And he's still got... Well, there's three more seasons in which the Broncos can control him, two on his contract, and then they can extend his fifth-year option. So there's a lot of gas left in that tank if Munchak can find a way to, you know, get some bang for, for Denver's buck there. So one more, and then we're out of here for today. Burning question for your Denver Broncos, and it might, in fact, be the most important one. We save the best for last. Zach, how will the Broncos solve the future of the quarterback position? Because... For all of his strengths and all of his weaknesses, Joe Flacco is 34 years old, and the Broncos have to have a solution for the future. Now, this is, we've talked a lot about it on the podcast of late. You know, when we first started talking about this issue, probably late November, early December-ish, when things kind of careened, well, early December-ish, when things started really careened off the tracks for the Broncos and the season was essentially over long before the season actually became over. We started looking at this, and at the time, both of us were kind of like, look, it's not looking like, it's not shaping up to be a really strong quarterback class, you know, you just, you got Keenan for another year, maybe you kick the can down the road, but I think both of us have kind of reshaped our opinion on this as more information has come to light, as we've kind of soaked on it, we're reading between the lines, we're seeing things, and for me, what it really boils down to is two things. One, how often or when again are the Denver Broncos going to find themselves with a top 10 pick, or in other words, in great striking distance to get a top quarterback? And two, Zach, is the fact that I remain adamant that Drew Locke would be a great fit with Rich Scangarello and in the type of offense that the Broncos are planning to run. Do they kick the can down the road and just take a mid-round guy with perhaps some upside this year, or do they strike while the iron's hot? Uh, you nailed it with those two points. I'm right there with you. And I think Elway, he has to take the guy this year. And it's a matter of when and who, not a matter of if. I don't think he can wait till 2020, especially not putting more spotlight on himself by swapping Keaton for Joe Flacco and shaking that hornet's nest. Um, he will take a quarterback this year. Who that quarterback is, though, we don't know. I think it will be Drew Locke when it's all said and done. I think he'll be on the board at 10, or they might move up a few spots for him. But I think that's his guy. There's just too much smoke not to be fire. And I think he has to take him. Like you always say, and it's so true, Chad, how often will the Broncos find themselves in the top 10? Now it's two years in a row. 
Now, needing quarterbacks those two years, you're going to mean to tell me they come away with no quarterback? I mean, they can't afford to do that, not with the franchise being at a crossroads, not with Elway's contract taking away, not with a bandaid on the roster and no hope. They have to get the guy this year, and I think it will happen. That's how they'll solve the quarterback of the future. And let's not forget, it's a tremendous need. It's it's arguably the foundational roster piece that the Broncos are missing because you can argue that they have their foundational left tackle of the future. They have their pass rushers of the now and the future. They have their shutdown corner of the now and the future in Chris Harris. They could always bolster that position, obviously. But the foundational pieces for this team to compete are there with the exception of a bona fide franchise quarterback. And if you draft Drew Locke, that doesn't make him immediately a franchise quarterback. But suddenly you have that component and a player that, let's face it, I mean, he has some ridiculous arm talent. And if you can refine some of his rough edges, get his footwork down, refine his technique, you could have a very special player within a couple years' time. Now, the caveat to that, Zach, is as as a team, you have to have learned from the failures and the foibles and the faux pas of the Paxton Lynch experiment. And you got to have a plan in place now. Doesn't mean you play Drew Locke now. There's a reason you went out and got Joe Flacco. But you got to have a legitimate plan in place, knowing that you can move on from Flacco from a year-to-year basis and say, look, this is his year, 2019, for Drew Locke to acclimate, get his feet wet, learn at the feet, get the coaching under his belt. But 2020 is the year of Drew Locke. And, you know, Joe Flacco, you're just going to have to get on board with that. And you know what? They can if if Joe Flacco doesn't like that, they he can request to be cut, or he can renegotiate his contract to be more of a figurehead failsafe for the final few years of his contract. Because let's face it, there's a lot about Joe Flacco I do like. I've come around quite a bit on Joe Flacco, and you can argue maybe I've talked myself into Joe Flacco a little bit. And maybe you're not completely wrong, but Joe Flacco hasn't done enough. He's not on the same level of a Peyton Manning or any anything close to that in terms of just sustained elite production over long periods of time. So it's not like he the question of him being a backup or sitting is completely out of the question, and he's got to face that. So the Broncos have to have a plan, and hopefully, Zach, if they end up getting a Drew Locke or whatever quarterback in the first round, they're able to hold tight to that and not – talk themselves out of it at any point for the sake of, in other words, sacrificing the future for the sake of what gives us what we think the best chance to win now. I mean, you, you talk about those franchise players, though. Look at else the Broncos offense has. Two great running backs, a Pro Bowl running back, one of the best fullbacks in the NFL, two young, great up-and-coming pass catchers, two you know intriguing tight ends if they can stay healthy. This Broncos team is not that far away from competing. They're not maybe one player away, but they're not. They're not. You know, they're a few players away. You put a rookie in this offense like Drew Locke with his arm talent alone and that running game and the receivers and hopefully better coaching. They can have something in place to go on to have long-term, sustained success. Because I don't care about 2019. I want to care about the next decade for the Broncos. Joe Flacco's not going to be around for that. Who's going to be around for it? Who's going to write the ship? That's what it's going to come down to in this draft. Is Drew Locke that guy? I think we're going to find out. That's right. Couldn't have said it better myself. But that'll do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. You guys, we'll be back tomorrow with a VIP mailbag. And as always, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. Take care of that. Follow Zach on Twitter at Kelberman247, myself at Chad and Jensen. We'll see you tomorrow. And in the meantime, you guys, leave a creative review and rate the show. Talk to you then. 
You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.